Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Sustainable Investing Perspectives podcast series here on the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Uh, joining us for the conversation today, glad to welcome back from the UBS Chief Investment Office, Amatia Muhadini, Sustainable and Impact Investing Strategist for the Americas. We're also joined today by Martin Grosskopf, Vice President and Portfolio Manager with AGF Investments. Up front, I do want to let our listeners, our clients know that our conversation today will tie right into the latest Sustainable Investing Perspectives publication, which is a monthly publication from the UBS Chief Investment Office and can now be located up on UBS.com slash CIO. Though, Amatia, Martin, thank you both for spending some time with our clients, our listeners today. Looking forward to the conversation. Thanks for having me, Dan. Thanks, Daniel. Absolutely. So to set the table a bit, I I do want to point out to our listeners that this month's SI Perspectives publication focused in part on the concept of circularity, namely an example as it relates to plastic alternatives, which I know we'll get into a bit later in the conversation. Though to set the stage a bit, Martin, achieving circularity in order to avoid material waste, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach for companies. So in what ways do you see companies affect achieving circularity? Yeah, thanks for the question. I think, uh, you know, depending on, on the supply chain and the material itself, I think there's just a ton of variation in terms of what companies are able to achieve. And uh, certainly there's some materials, you know, uh, that, that have a very high degree of recyclability, for instance, aluminum. So we have some exposure and to a company that does uh, aluminum recycle to manufacture um, new beverage containers, and even the use of that material, for instance, to displace plastics, it has a tremendous opportunity there where I don't know if you've ever seen, for instance, um, some of these printed aluminum water bottles uh, that some companies had launched in the last few years. But, you know, even my kids were super excited to use them just because they were cool. You know, they had great graphics on them and um, functionally they're they're equal, obviously. And so I think... You know, for some industries, there's there's the opportunity there even to displace uh, a hard to displace uh, petrochem supply chain. You know, like around plastics, and for others, it's going to be uh, more challenging. But um, certainly, in a lot of the cases, um, you know, especially to to remove a, a plastic from a from a particular process, it's it's just inherently challenging because plastics can you know, be very malleable in terms of how they're designed for that functionality. And to find something that just easily slots in is always going to be challenging. And also the actual um, recyclable component of it in terms of machinery, in terms of, you know, the cost of that. I mean, you really do need scale, you know, and where you're not at scale, it's just more challenging. So it could require government incentives in some cases to to really get that supply chain up up to scale. Now, running a bit further with respect to the example you cited, Martin, uh, when it comes to plastics, within the latest SI Perspectives, I alluded to this a bit earlier, Amantia, you had cited a real-world example, this in the case of Lego's efforts at use of plastic alternatives. What exactly happened in that case? Yeah, thanks, Dan, and thanks, Martin, for setting the stage there, truly. And when we look at this Lego story, it was in, in some ways it exemplified the, the fact that uh, corporate 
efforts to move towards sustainability are number one alive and well, and number two, we still are, are in in some cases in a global lab situation where companies are trying to find the best ways to move and make make a change. Um, specifically, what we picked up on was a high profile media interview where uh, Lego shared that their multi year by now quest to test how recycled plastic bottles or RPT uh, could be used as a replacement material for virgin ABS plastic to build their toy bricks um, came to an end. Um, so a lot of headlines were pointing to Lego, quote-unquote, abandoning sustainability, which seemed concerning at first. But what these headlines point to us is really about um, how complex a lot of this effort really is. Um, part of what, what the nuance in this particular story was that Lego found that uh, in order to scale this uh, alternative to virgin ABS plastics, uh, they would require significant changes in their operations, and essentially implementing those changes would effectively negate some of the emissions benefits that uh, would result as, as, as a result of the switch. So that's interesting. Now, this, in our view, doesn't mean that we've reached the end of the road here on sustainability for this company or for all companies. In fact, I think Martin just gave a great example of an alternative here to uh, to plastic that is starting to be to be used in some kind of bottling companies, um, and we're seeing other alternatives in other business structures. Really, what this means to us is that different solutions will be needed based on the business model. Uh, number one. And number two, that uh, that we really need to look at a whole kind of portfolio of approaches for, for as as investors, not place our bets on specific types of sustainability innovations, but really diversify across the whole set as we recognize that our economy is a, is a very complex system. Martin, from hearing that outcome, which Amatia just shared with us in the case of Lego, what would you say are some general hurdles companies are faced with in pursuit of circularity, and in what ways can these hurdles be overcome? Yeah, I think the, the Lego case was really interesting, and I remember years ago uh, when they were first looking at um, finding a replacement for virgin uh, materials, uh, you know, they were trying to source more bio-based materials. And actually, even things like how the bricks would snap together or how uh, the sun might impact the bricks, um, you know, in a kid's room, if it comes through the window, they actually found that it might weaken the material or the link or the sound that's so satisfying when you're building up Lego. And so, it, you know, there's just, you know, these are inherently challenging kind of engineering um, initiatives. And so it's no surprise that in some cases it just doesn't end up working. And so they got to pursue something different. Um, so I think that's just, um, you know, this is, this is what engineers get up in the morning to do is, is try to find a better way to, to make things. And so, you know, we just see so many companies where it's their, um, raison d'etre. It's, it's, you know, it, it's what their mission is. Um, and what we're always trying to look for is those companies that, you know, have the right approach, but as I mentioned, have the scalability. I mean, the, the economics are so critical. Uh, and, you know, whether it's in circularity or whether, you know, we've talked in the past probably about the IRA and, and how that's bringing forward the economics of carbon capture and hydrogen and, 
renewables and sometimes maybe in circularity you also need that you need that incentive that that brings the economics forward that helps you build a scale it sounds like there is clearly global demand for alternative materials. Amantia, how do you see these efforts evolving and what would you cite as any investment opportunities to be mindful of? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, in, in terms of evolution moving forward, what I'd say is that uh, change and innovation doesn't necessarily come in a straight line, especially as you're seeing all of these other factors, which are important, price volatility, energy supply volatility, availability of materials, availability of supply chains, just to mention really a, kind of a, a few of the large matrix of elements that, that are involved here, which um, if you really are looking very narrowly in at any given point, um, may, may make the system seem very unstable. But zooming out, it is true that we're seeing a broad trend of uh, continued demand for these alternative materials with the objective of really reducing our reliance on uh, on, on, stable, on sources of energy, which we may be overly dependent on, um, as well as to advance those, those objectives on carbon emissions reduction. So that's one thing. A second thing that I'd say is that you need a multi-pronged approach to sustainability, and this won't happen overnight. Um, in addition to the ideas that Martin was mentioning, we also see a particular set of opportunities tied to the circular economy or circularity specifically. So in this area, we see things around or opportunities around reuse business models as potentially being interesting. Um, we're seeing increasingly companies that are dipping their toes in subscription or product as a service type business models, which uh, can help diverse, diversify their cash flow or you know have synergies with their margin profiles. Um, again, this is highly dependent on execution and its early stage, but it's an interesting area of evolution. Further up, uh, I guess, on sort of reliability and, and ability to execute are businesses around waste collection and waste management. Now, this may not seem like the most exciting new thing uh, in, in the land of innovation on sustainability, but really, if you think about recycling, if you think about a circular economy, the first point of importance here is that waste collection and also is managing the waste that cannot be turned back into a new product. So that's what we're seeing, uh, kind of in increased and, and stable also innovation and, and just kind of business models which are reliable both at the same time that, uh, that we think has, have an opportunity on sustainability and also can be a good, um, kind of solution for portfolios. Okay. So a lot of considerations there. Martin, what about your thoughts in terms of the evolution of this story and how do you see the opportunity set today? Yeah, I think there's Clearly, you know, there's a lot of innovation happening with with um, micro cap type companies, you know, that kind of are developing the next big thing in terms of substitution for the petrochemical molecule, you know, whether that's coming from a plant based opportunity or otherwise. So there's a lot of stuff happening at the at the smaller level, but we also have to pay attention to the type of recycling opportunities that, you know, or reuse opportunities that 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 are ready scaled and, and are just being refined, you know, and you think about, for instance, recovery of oily wastes, for instance, or the chemicals that are used in, in the traditional oil and gas production, you know, there's, there's companies uh, that we have exposure to that would facilitate that and result in, you know, significant recoveries of these chemicals um, and fluids, and in some cases, even oil from waste 
Um, so it diminishes the need, obviously, for replacing that with new product. And so, you know, those types of processes are ongoing. They, they really just require a little bit more um, seeking out because they're often not the sexiest name. They're not the name that everybody focuses on, but they're providing a service that's very important in terms of improving the efficiency of an existing production process. So that is the kind of thing that we, we look at all the time. And they're usually a pretty high cash, cash flow. As, uh, as was mentioned, you know, if it's waste management, um, usually, you know, free cash flow in those businesses is, is very good through a cycle. And so that may be something that, you know, given where we are in the rate cycle, can be pretty compelling as an opportunity, as opposed to those projects that require a lot of capex and maybe are earlier in their adoption because it's just more challenging in in today's finance market anyway. Well, it will be exciting to see how these innovations take shape. Clearly, a lot of opportunities out there for investors to take a look at today, and this is indeed a conversation that will continue. Though, uh, Martin Amantia, thank you both again for dropping by SI Perspectives, for spending some time with our listeners, our clients, and for sharing your insights into this topic. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliates. The views and opinions expressed in this material by external guest speakers are those of the author, speaker, and are not those of UBS, its subsidiaries, or affiliates. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over the content of this material or any claims, losses, or damages arising from the use or reliance of all or any part thereof. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.